welcome to a special episode of the Intrepid English Podcast. Today's episode is taken from Lorraine's appearance on Teacher Talk Radio a few weeks ago. Lorraine was interviewed by her friend Harry Waters of Renewable English on the topic of empowering English learners. Lorraine and Harry had a great chat where they covered all the highs and lows of learning a language from pronunciation struggles to thinking in your target language. You can listen to more Teachers Talk radio episodes on all good podcast apps or on YouTube. And you can connect with Renewable English on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn and learn about how they are giving learners and educators the tools to raise climate change awareness. You can also follow us at Intrepid English across social media platforms. And our podcast is also on Instagram as Intrepid English Podcast. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello everybody and welcome. We are live. We are Teachers Talk Radio. We are also Teachers Talk Radio TV. So wherever you are listening from, wherever you're calling in from, you can also now see us um, on LinkedIn. You can see us on YouTube. Uh, You can see us everywhere. Um, So I'd like to say Hello to everybody. Today is a very, very special day for me. Um, In fact, it might be the most special day of all time for me. It's the 2nd of the 2nd, 2022. And for those of you that know me, you will be well aware that my favorite number is 2222-2222. There's a bit of a story behind this. Uh, back when I was at high school, many, 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 many years ago, um, I went on a school trip. And on the way back, we we drove past, we drove past, we were on a train. We went through the train station. And as we got off the train, we uh, saw the the sign, the clock, the big yellow clocks that you get in English train stations. And it was at about 22, 21. And we waited and waited and waited for the last minute and then we got a great photo on an old school camera of it all 22 22 with 22 seconds as well um so that was uh, rather marvelous and since then it's just a number that seems to have followed me and uh, my two best friends around the the entire planet basically so it's something I even connect with my my good friends about and we send messages to each other it's just become you know time now uh, but that is something that is super special so today I've just been I've been absolutely buzzing all day because it is um, a bit special to me today at 22 22 and something great about that is I do have a very special guest who's going to call in ever so shortly I've got her queued up ready to go live on the TV as well, of course. Um, she's about to call in live to the Podbean. I believe I can see her in there, but sometimes on Podbean, they give you a bit of a funny name, and I think her name might be QFCEUJ. Uh, it is her there. I'm gonna I'm gonna invite her in as a guest. Um, that is her. I, I couldn't tell if Lorraine was 
Q-F-C-E-U-J-Z-J. Uh, a fantastic name if she were a Scrabble word, that's for sure. Um, so I'm going to invite her in as a speaker and give her uh, a very brief introduction as she will be uh, introducing herself as well. It is Lorraine from Intrepid English. Um, she's here to join us. And I'm going to hand over to her uh, to introduce herself a little bit deeper than that. Lorraine, hello, how are you? Hi, Harry. I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for inviting me on today. Um, yes, to int introduce myself. I am the founder of Intrepid English. For those of you who are watching, there's a uh, the sign behind me. Um, and yeah, we are an English language school based online and we empower English learners to speak with confidence, ace their exams, succeed at work and improve the quality of their lives. So that's our our little school. Um, but yeah, I'm, it's a bit of a controversial one, Harry, because I'm actually a fan of 1111. So we're in different camps here. Um, I'm afraid I don't have the same feeling for 2222. But I'm, I'm here to celebrate with you today. <laughs> Oof. Um, I'm not going to say that doesn't hurt. It definitely hurts. You know, that one, it cuts through, it cuts deep. Um, <laughs> now, I'll be honest, I, I don't dislike 1111. Um, I just like two, 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 two more. Um, Twice in fact, as much. I like it so much that everyone watching can, you know, if I put it a bit closer there. Oh wow! I, I don't can't angle my body properly for that. I haven't been doing enough yoga this week. Um, I do have a tattoo of it, as does my my best friend Tommy, who was a guest a little while back. Actually, um, he's a, he's a music guy. Um, I was going to say teacher, but he's not. He's bit, he's more like Jack Black in School of Rock. Um, just a little bit more handsome. Um, <laughs> nothing against Jack Black. I think he's brilliant. Uh, so, so you mentioned intrepid English. Mm. Um, I feel a bit like an intrepid English teacher, not working for intrepid English. I just feel <laughs> like I am intrepid and I'm an English teacher. Um, I think it's a fantastic name, by the way. I remember seeing it a while back, probably on LinkedIn, and just being like, that's a brilliant name. Um, and it, I just kind of... <laughs> like zoomed in on it, I honed in on it. And, and from then I've been a bit following. Hi there, Bhavna, lovely to see you. Um, Bhavna is, a, is it also uh, a previous guest. Lovely to see you um, again. Um, yeah, I saw it and I honed in on it. And I think LinkedIn is like my, um, do I want to call it my, it, it's my favourite social network. Oh, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. It's oh, yeah. great. And I think from that moment, I, I saw you and, and I followed you there as well in a completely non-creepy professional way. You keep saying that, Harry, but <laughs> the more you say it, the creepier it, it sounds. <laughs> it does sound creepier, doesn't it? I'm going I'm to just stop saying yeah, it now. Yeah, just stop saying you the creepy know, thing. <laughs> yeah, stop saying that creepy thing, You Harry. don't come across as creepy until you mention it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stop. I'm giving up on saying that from now on. I'm just going to go with, I saw you on LinkedIn. There we um, go, yeah. And yeah, I saw the, you know, what intrepid English does and and I really like the whole idea behind it and the ethos behind it but before we get into that ethos I want to know about you me you <laughs> so you know everybody's heard about my journey as a teacher um what about your journey as a teacher mm. well um I started teaching in in Germany um, mainly because it was actually one of the few options that was available to me, um, considering my German wasn't great uh, when I first moved there. So I 
I took my CELTA course in Hamburg and then I, I started to enjoy it only after that. <laughs> so um, I kind of accidentally fell into it as a career, um, but quite soon really, really started to enjoy myself. So I was working in Germany for, for three years in Cologne and decided that if my career were to progress at all, I'd need to be back home in the UK, really set up my own business um, and, yeah, um, teach, build a business, basically, not not just teach by myself. So um, I moved back to the UK and my, my lovely parents set me up in their spare room. And I love I love this story. And my dad always reminds me of this as well. But um, they made me a desk out of two bedside dr- drawers and a, a door, <laughs> an old door. Like it was really old school. So um, my uh, my internet strength was like two as well. <laughs> so it was really, really weak. Um, I had one student for a month or so. And then it started to pick up a little bit more. Um, And that was in 2013. So things have come a long way since then. And Intrepid English has grown, not just in terms of the students, but also the the teachers that work for us. And yeah, we've got a lovely, lovely team of teachers who work for us now. And it's, it's, my job has evolved a lot in that time from just being the the only teacher um, to being sort of like a mother hen to all my teachers that work for me. Um, but it's it's just a generally really enjoyable place for, for us to, um, to enjoy day to day. But also our students say that they really enjoy the the atmosphere, you know, because it's, it's a bit like a family in a way. I know that sounds really cheesy, but it kind of is. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's my journey in a nutshell. Oh, wow. Um, I like how you went to Hamburg and Cologne. Like, you know, so you've gone to the two places that have got things named after them. Mm-hmm, yeah, hamburgers mm-hmm. and obviously, you know, perfume. Um, yeah, to remember. <laughs> yeah, and how's your German now? Oh, that's one of my teachers. Ooh. He's just tuned in. It's Thomas. Hi, Thomas. He likes um, poetry, doesn't he? Yes, he does. And he doesn't just like it. He is a poet. If Well, I could just talk about Tom all day long. He has the best voice in the world, for a start. Um, uh, he's a wonderful teacher. And Tom actually trained me on live events. He's he's a seasoned professional when it comes to live events because of all his uh, writing and poetry and stuff. So it's really nice to have him here, just hovering in the background. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. He also has an exceptional beard. Now, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna r- rant and rave too much about <laughs> exceptional beards, but people with exceptional beards tend to be exceptional people. Um, that's just a personal opinion. I don't know where that opinion came from. Um, <laughs> But it definitely came from somewhere. Um, no, I saw today he mentioned something about poetry. I actually had a guest a little while back, um, mm. Dave Bowden, the word guerrilla or word guerrilla, as we would say it in English. Uh, and he's also a poet. So mm-hmm. um, I should speak to Thomas as well, I guess. You definitely um, should. Also, should. if he's got a lovely voice, you know, perfect for radio. Get him on the show, Harry. He's great. He's well, so chilled as well. I tell you what, though, his rule for live events, and unfortunately, I haven't followed this rule today, so fingers crossed it goes well, um, is to have a glass of wine. Um, so it's it's actually only four o'clock in the afternoon where I am. So I don't have a glass of wine. I have a coffee. So that's that's going to keep me going for now. But it really, oh, very nice on brand. Um, it's, it's 
I have to remember that we're actually on the radio as well as on the TV and, and people can't actually see <laughs> everything as well. So if you're listening on the radio, you should definitely tune in and see us on the TV. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I actually have a glass of water as well, to be honest. Um, I'm afraid, um, much to the disgust of my parents, I don't drink, um, which also surprises everybody in Spain. They look at, you know, do you want a beer, Harry? And it's like, no, I don't drink. But you're English. <laughs> yes. And that's why not all stereotypes work. Um, mm. But yeah, my parents were, were big um, wine lovers growing up. So my way of rebelling against them was for me to say, I don't drink wine. Um, mm. I'm not going anywhere near it. So That reverse psychology really worked there. Harry's parents are like, I hate wine, but hopefully <laughs> <laughs> this he won't is going to work. Yeah, it, it didn't work on my, my brother or sister, I'm afraid. But um, yeah, it definitely worked on me. Um, some yeah, I was never never a big fan of of drinking. So um, sorry to disappoint you, mum and dad. Uh, <laughs> but I'm on the radio now, so ah! they're, they're proud at last. It's only taken 37 years. Um, I love your story about the desk um, moving into your folks' spare room and and building the desk. It reminds me of when I. I went out to live in, in Australia for a year um, while I was on my, my world tour stage of being a teacher before it became a career. And um, my brother built me a bed out of milk crates and oh. a mattress that he found in the street, um, which at the time was really grimy. But looking back on it with my environmentalist hat on, I was like, well, that's good that I slept on (laughs) recycling somebody's old thrown away mattress. I mean, yes, sure. That's definitely fine. Um, And it's it's a, it's a nice way to, you know, even at the time when, when I was starting out with this um, makeshift desk that my parents made me at the time, I did have like a realization or even just kind of a wish or a hope that this would be the story that I look back on in years uh, and, and talk about, you know, the rags in the in the rags to riches story, you know, kind of thing. Uh, it wasn't even, you know, rags. It was like a really nice spare bedroom in a lovely house you know, in the south of England. you know. <laughs> but still, I was like, yes, one day I'll use this story in my book. There you go. So I think you're the same with your with your crate bed, right? Yeah, it really brought it back. Actually, I haven't told that story for a while. I'm not sure if it's the scarring that it that, that happened from it, or but anyway, it's um, yeah, it was it was it was definitely interesting. So you were in the south of England, but you're not anymore, are you? No, now I'm in Edinburgh. What mm. what made what made you move? I actually lived here years ago, and it was it was like right at the start of my sort of traveling phase um and I I fell in love with the place but it was it was a very different place for me then um you know I was there were loads of great music venues you know the festival came every year um obviously everywhere's changed a little bit because of the pandemic or a lot um but Edinburgh now is a very different place so for for me in the way that I approach it you know it's much more about um you know seeing the nature around and you know architecture and that kind of stuff um and literature and things because it's a unesco city of literature um but yeah I, I was here years and years ago and i thought this is really great but this is one of the first places i've, I've lived 
like I need to I need to go out and see the world you know this can't just be it so um yeah I carried on traveling around but when I was living here before my sisters came up to visit me and um my older sister stayed here and she's been here ever since then so um just about um a few years ago when my older sister was about to have my niece I was like now's the time this is a sign I'm gonna go back it's my spiritual home and yeah I'm really really glad I did but I'm glad I got all of that traveling out of my system before before I came back here so yeah definitely I I feel that that it really helped me sort of traveling around to when it came to settling down it was it was easy enough you know Mm because I'd seen some things and it was like oh yeah I can stop now. Um, yeah. I was forced to stop. I didn't really want to stop, um, but that's a whole different story that I'm sure we'll get into another day. Um, but yeah, then when I stopped, I was like, well, I have seen stuff, so I guess it's okay. Um, and Edinburgh is, I, I love Edinburgh. I think it's beautiful. And it's also, it was the source of one of my very early pronunciation things, because obviously you don't say 90% of, of English, Scottish, British, you know, Welsh, Irish places, the way they're written. Um, oh, no. So one of my early obsessions back when I was studying for the Delta in 2013, so back when you had your 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 door desk. Door um, desk. Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, back, <laughs> it's a new word. <laughs> exactly, I've invented that one. Um, nice bit of alliteration. Um, yeah, I, I, so I was studying pronunciation and... Um, I got a bit obsessed um, by pronunciation, but I got really angry with the other people on the course who got, you know, so obsessed with like Tefl talk. You know, when people just, you know, Tefl people have to use all the Tefl words. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to use all the words. This is how I'm going to teach it. And, you know, they were like, oh, I had a class today. And like they, they just didn't get it when I was talking about elision. And it's like, well, are you, I don't really get elision. You know, when you look, <laughs> You talk about how things go together or connected speech, even like, you know, when you make it a bit like break it down a bit. So mm. I got really upset by all that kind of Tefl talk to do with pronunciation. Hello, Vanessa. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> she's amazing. Um, awesome. She's one of my marigolds, um, as is Bavner, actually, who was on before. Oh, cool. You've got a great go. crowd here today then, Harry. Hi, Vanessa. An excellent crowd. <laughs> Um, I did a storytelling in Rome in her academy the other day, actually, um, the Gruffalo's child. Uh, but there you go. If you ever want storytellings, you know where to call <laughs> Thomas. He's probably better than me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I remember I was, got really into pronunciation, but I wanted to break it down and make it like real um, and not just all Tefl talk and phonemic script and stuff like that. And Edinburgh was actually my inspiration because obviously you don't say Edinburgh the way you write Edinburgh. Um, mm. And it kind of led me down this this rabbit hole of pronunciation of British town names. Um, uh, and, yeah, I, I created this whole thing. Um, you know, there are with, some great town names. Oh, great town names, ones. especially up here in Scotland. I can't pronounce them, really. Um, it's it's all, it up there with French for the number of silent letters. It's like what? Yeah. But, and you hear someone say it, and it's like <laughs> I have no idea just to read it. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I remember we went back to the UK once um, with obviously with my wife. Um, I, th- I think we had our daughter then, but we we were going to Bristol where my um, where my uh, where my sister used to live. 
and we took a wrong turning and my wife who is Spanish but she she grew up in Australia she said you need to take the Gloucester road and I just fell about laughing you know I was like ha Gloucester ah it's Gloucester obviously Um, oh Harry which was awful of me um I shouldn't have done that um I I don't think I'd do it again because not long afterwards we went on holiday to Norfolk to a place called Snetsum um but the whole time I was like yeah we're going to Snettersham you know, we're going to Snettersham, we're going there. We got there and some guy, we were on a tractor ride around the farm and he's like, welcome to Snettersham. And my wife just looked at me and was like, ha, 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 it's not Snettersham. I was like, I guess I deserve Touché. that. Yeah, Touché. Yeah, yeah. That, that, was, that was a year in the making, but I definitely deserved it. So, um, you know, she got me, which was fair enough, fair play to her. So, yeah, pronunciation was something I got really obsessed with and, and Edinburgh was my kind of, my calling for it um but yeah it's I find it a very important thing but something that students really obsess about I don't think students often realize the difference between pronunciation and accent do you do you have that Mm -hmm. issue with Mm -hmm. any of your your learners well in my opinion um there isn't you see a lot of a lot of english learners understandably they think that you know received pronunciation is the goal and this is this is what they want to achieve but in my opinion there are so many different accents that are beautiful and the, the vari- variety is always the spice of life in my opinion but um with pronunciation i really my approach is to oh we got a lot of hearts on the screen from that one um <laughs> Um, yeah I always like to break down British English into the individual phonemic symbols okay not that I teach the phonemic symbols necessarily I don't think that's necessary but I always try to break it down into the individual sounds so that students can really get a sense of things like voiced and unvoiced sounds and longer and shorter vowel sounds things like that Um, only because quite often if, for example, I'll take a, a lesson that I had yesterday. A student was trying to say reviews and he said refuse, which is very similar, but obviously it's a different word. So um, trying to explain to him, yeah, he's a German guy as well. So the V and the W always always quite a sticky point for him. So what we did is we went right back to the individual sounds, the difference between F and V and we once we really broke that down and focused on those two areas, he was much more able to hear the difference and then he could create the difference in in his speech. Um, but I always say, you know, this is one of many. Uh, mine is one of many accents and it's kind of a hybrid. Like People can't normally place me, um, but I was born in Coventry. Uh, but over the years through travel, um, my accents got a little bit of a hybrid kind of, but I don't really know what it is anymore. Um, and, you know, when I'm teaching lower level students, I'll really slow down and I'll really try to, you know, as they say, my queen's voice. Uh, my friends who've heard me teach and my partner, they call it my queen's voice. Um, but it's just because it's easier for them to to understand. But I do believe that that there are many beautiful accents in the British Isles alone. And um, when students can learn sort of a general pronunciation rule which really helps them from there they have the creativity to apply their own personality to the words a little bit more um but yeah i think that opinion comes from the fact that you know when i grew up 
in Coventry, I had a really thick Coventry accent. And it's quite easy to tease people with that accent. You know, it's not quite Birmingham in terms of bad reputation necessarily for accents, mm-hmm. but um, but I, I would get a lot of teasing for it. So whenever I moved to a different place, I would sort of absorb and, um, you know, adopt the, the accent there, which is why my voice is now quite hybrid. Um, but that apparently, according to one of my uni tutors, is it's um, a survival mechanism in a way. Uh, you need to assimilate to a place. You need to fit in. So um, that's why I I do that now. But I also I want to show my students, you know, speak in a way that expresses who you are. If that's very melodic, great. Um, you know, if that's slower, that's fine. If it's faster, make sure it's articulate. Make sure you enunciate clearly. Um, but I I never say this is the correct way, and everything Absolutely. else is wrong. You know, that's just my approach. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that whole, for me, you know, getting them to, you know, enunciate properly and use whatever rhythm they like to use, I find it super important. But, yeah, I've had so many students come to me saying, you know, I want to sound English. I want to sound American. And I say to them, you don't need to. You know, it's actually much better for you to have your your Spanish accent when you're speaking English because mm-hmm. it shows that you've made that effort. You know, mm-hmm. I definitely don't sound Spanish when I'm speaking in Spanish. Like, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, I speak Spanish fairly well. Yeah, I, I do all right, but I've got a a foreigner's accent when I speak Spanish. But mm-hmm. I, I like that because you know it, it shows who I am. It shows where I'm from, and it shows that I've made that effort to mm. to make a difference and to try and speak with with a you know yeah. a different language and mm. i think you know some people often kind of get forget that and they get lost in this whole i want to sound english so mm. you don't need to sound english you need to be mm. intelligible <laughs> that's yeah but that's the thing it's, it's the disconnect between desires and, and needs there um when i have a student who they normally start the conversation like that. You know, hi, Lorraine, I see you're an English teacher. I want to sound like a native speaker um, or I want to be fluent. And there are a couple of, of things that I will recommend to these students. Firstly, it's really difficult to know when you've achieved those goals, right? They're not specific enough for you to be able to go, yeah, tick, I've done that. So, and secondly, um, because it's they're, they're quite lofty goals normally from, from where the student's at at that time, um, they feel frustrated up until the point at which they have, in their view, achieved this point, which, which they never will reach it because it's so vague. So what I say to them is, firstly, what do you, what do you really need to get out of it? So they, they say they want to speak like a native speaker, but what they need often would be something like, I need to be understood, or I want to be taken seriously at work, or I want to get a band nine in the IELTS exam. When you break it down like that, it's, it's much more specific. And then you can set SMART goals. So um, I don't know if you're a fan of SMART goals, but for, for those who are listening or watching who don't necessarily know what those are, they stand for specific, measurable, achievable, relevant and timely. So whenever a, a student or a friend of mine or, or even me, um, when we're setting goals now, I always try and follow that framework. Specific being, you know, when you have actually achieved it you know, measurable. I mean, you can look at that from two different points of view, you know, the end goal, sure. Or do you know if you're going in the right direction there, if it's measurable? Am I halfway there yet? You know, Um, achievable, 
it's got to be something that you can achieve, right? A, a goal which is too lofty doesn't help anyone. Um, and yeah, where are we? S-M-A-R, relevant. So it's got to be something in the general direction of where you want to go. So having a goal uh, to improve your German, for example, won't help you if your end goal is to get a nine in the IELTS exam. Um, and timely, you need a deadline, right? Um, and in my opinion, the smaller the goals, the better. So this is one of the reasons why I'm not really one of those people who sets New Year's resolutions, because I'm setting monthly resolutions instead or, or weekly ones, um, mainly because it's just more satisfying. Who wants to get to the end of the year and be like, yeah, yeah, oh. <laughs> you know, it's like, I want that payday every month. You know, I want that that feeling of satisfaction every month when I'm like, yes, I've done that thing. Um, but quite often it's, oh, I didn't quite make it. I'm going to adjust next month's goals to to line up with that. Oh, um, I know that feeling. Mm-hmm. I, 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 also, I have like short, medium and long-term goals as well. Um, my mm-hmm. short-term goals often come along with me, you know, because yeah. maybe I haven't <laughs> done them properly. You know, I, like, I want to do that. Okay. I kind of want to do that. So I don't, Mm. but I I like to keep it there on the page with me. So I know that I do still want to do it, but maybe it's not, you know, high up on the list. Yeah, exactly. Mm. But it's Mm. a short goal and I can do it, but yeah, maybe it's not, you know, that high on the list of priorities. (laughs) Um, So maybe it's not really realistic. There's also the other factor, which is, it sounds so simple, but it was a really sort of, it was an epiphany for me when I realised this. Oh, and sorry if you can see the horrible bruise on my arm, by the way. That's from my roller skating on Sunday, so apologies for that. I can only see it because you held it right up to the camera. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> That's another story. Um, yeah, so um, how many goals do you have which are not really that important to you, but you think you should achieve them? Um, and my my wonderful mentor, Alice Thompson, she always says you, you should stop shudding all over yourself. Um, you know, I, I always try to think to myself, do I really want to achieve this goal? Or do I just think I want to achieve this goal? Or do I really want to achieve this goal? Or do I want to be the person that would like to achieve that goal? You know, um, and then, you know, sometimes I'm like, no, so I'm not going to put pressure on myself to achieve that, um, if that makes sense. Move it to but one we- side. Yes, exactly. But going back to this, um, you know, the, the English learners who have these lofty and, and vague goals, um, purely because maybe they don't know this smart goal approach yet. Um, you know, I always like to, to say to them, you know, do you really want to achieve that goal? Or do you want, you know, the goal of um, speaking English like a native speaker? Or do you want to speak English but have your personality in there and be able to express yourself clearly and, you know, share your unique opinions and have originality in your work and things like that. Um, and, and often they, that will really help them to, um, to really define what they want and what they don't really need. Hi, exactly. Phil. <laughs> Hello, Phil. It's lovely to have you. Lovely to have you watching us um, for your first time ever. Um, it's my first time doing this ever as well. So, uh, It's quite exciting to have you here Um, and brilliant to have uh, lots of other people here listening in as well. We've got Libby and Dorian, we've got Nicholas, we've got EJ, MU. We've got some people there that I'm not really sure um, (laughs) who they are. But yeah, thanks everybody who's tuned in Um, and do hang about. We're going to 
Um, we're going to listen to the news now, um, and we'll be back very shortly. So stay where you are, um, stay seated, uh, keep your headphones in. Um, we'll be back very shortly, um, but we're going to head off for the news. Live from Spain. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, Follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondleletterssounds.org.uk Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real-time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy-to-use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland full free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward slash Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common, a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In Wales, the Minister for Education and the Welsh Language, Jeremy Miles, has announced extra school sessions for learners. In a trial, over 1,800 learners will receive five hours of extra activity per week over a 10-week period. The Welsh Government has drawn on international models and proposals made by the Education Policy Institute and the trial is focused on supporting disadvantaged pupils and schools particularly affected during the pandemic. Jeremy Miles said, We know from research that young people can gain in confidence 
and well-being from this approach, especially disadvantaged learners. Programmes which provide enriching and stimulating additional sessions and support learners to re-engage with learning can have a greater impact on attainment than those that are solely academic in focus. The trial is a great opportunity to gather further evidence on how we use and structure time at school and how that might evolve in the future. We will be learning how those additional sessions might improve well-being, academic progression and increased social and cultural capital. As we move forward, we will continue to support schools with even stronger community engagement so that we deliver on our mission to tackle the impact of poverty on educational attainment and achieve high standards for all. In England, the government has announced 55 education cold spots that have been identified as part of the levelling up agenda. Areas such as Walsall and Rochdale, where education outcomes are weakest, will be targeted for support, with teachers offered a levelling up premium to improve retention. According to a report in The Independent, schools in the education investment areas which are judged less than good by Ofsted in successive inspections, could be moved into multi-academy trusts under the plans. A government release states that education will be at the heart of the major new reforms, set to give every child and adult the skills they need to fulfil their potential, no matter where they live. As part of the White Paper plans, the Department for Education will offer retention payments to help schools keep the best teachers in the highest priority subjects. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, as we approach Safe Internet Day next week, it's the 8th of February, if you didn't know, I'm going to take a look at keeping yourself safe as a teacher. I'm not going to go into your digital footprint or how you use social media. That's been covered in your safeguarding training, no doubt, and should be common sense. There is, however, a real grey area when it comes to teachers and using their phones in school. Before I start, all schools should have a policy on mobile phones, and you should have read it. I suggest, if you're not sure what it is, then you find out. There is DFE guidance for searching, screening and confiscating for pupils. For staff, Policies in schools range from SLT having different rules to other staff so they can be contacted to phones must be switched off or on silence when pupils are present. Some are even introducing a smartwatch policy as they become increasingly more popular. The first step to keeping yourself safe is to make sure you know what is expected in your school as it's the individual schools that decide and there is no official guidance. The next step is a choice. Images, still or moving, are a great way to evidence work and to feed back to pupils. If your policy allows it, using your phone is the simplest way as it's always with you. 
To give a real example, a PE teacher at a match doesn't need to remember to take the school camera and probably has a better camera on their phone anyway. But here's the dilemma. Should teachers have pictures of children on their personal phones? Again, school policy will dictate this and parents will have signed a form saying they give permission or not, so you're covered to take the picture. But the question still stands, should it be done on a personal device? This is where I feel the need to keep ourselves safe lies. How long do you keep the images on your phone? Are they automatically backed up into your personal cloud? How do you transfer from your device to the school storage? What if your phone's lost or stolen? I'm not here to provide an answer. I just want you to think about keeping yourself safe. If you take images on a school device, you avoid all of these issues. It may be a little more effort, but in the rare event of an allegation, it's a lot simpler to investigate. Please think about your use of personal devices in school. And if your policy isn't keeping up with what you're doing, consider raising it. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2020 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve. Hello, we are back. Um, we are live again. Uh, that quick one there about mobile phones uh, at the end there, it is um, an interesting area, uh, just, I don't know, in terms of uh, schools especially, but as a teacher, I would always encourage my, my students, particularly my teenage students, to to use it in class, particularly for learning English, because I wanted them to find you know, that the the benefits of using it in class, not, you know, sit there on WhatsApp or whatever. But that was something I, I often encouraged in my classes, which got me into a bit of trouble in a few academies because there was a strict no phones policy. But anyway, how do you feel about phones in class, Lorraine? <laughs> Well, my my student base is uh, different to to yours, it seems, or different to the way yours was. Um, a lot of my students are business English students, so there needs to be um, a certain amount of flexibility there, because a lot of them are super busy. They've got a lot going on. You know, often they've they've got family who might need them, but generally it might be the case that they have to take an urgent business call during the lesson, and I honestly don't mind that at all. Um, one of the great things about our students being sort of autonomous and having, you know, they're by their own lessons, so they value them. Um, and that means that normally for them, because it's it's an enjoyable hour in their day, they they kind of silence everything else um, and it's, it's, it's me time for them, you know. So uh, it's not really that much of a problem, but I can imagine it would be quite difficult to get people, teenagers in your case, to focus on the lesson material and not all of the other dings that are coming through, you know, what was that like? Well, it, it was all right. I think it's, I think it's actually now getting slightly easier because of the amount of tech that there is, you know, stuff like Nearpod um, and Padlet and the amount of apps there are available that are focused on your lesson that, you know, they can, they can really help. Um, I do remember, however, when I had a, a business student and it was very much like, uh, like that you're saying, he said, this is my yoga. You know, I come here, and I tell, like, you know, I'm unavailable. This time I'm completely unavailable to anybody. So my phone is right. off. And it's like, but mm-hmm. I like that. I like yeah. that. That's nice. Um, yeah. What I also like is your, 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 your the, the intrepid English, the, the statement that you have, the, the ideals that you have behind uh, intrepid English. And we're talking, well, the, the, the title is Empowering English Learners. Mm-hmm. I know you do a lot more than, than, only empower. I know that's not an only. It's, it's quite a massive <laughs> it's one thing. Of, one of many, many passions of ours. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Now, mm. I, what I was mentioned, what we talked about before with the whole accent thing, 
Um, I think that's one of the like early things for me when I'm trying to give students confidence is to become com comfortable with themselves and comfortable with the way they speak. So for me, that's one of the early steps. But I'd like to know what you've got to say about empowering learners. This is a huge, a huge area. I could go on all day, Harry. Um, it's massive. So, <laughs> it's huge. Um, so to as a, as a tip of the iceberg, and I, I hugely recommend that that people read further into this if they want to. Uh, there are many, many elements of um, empowering learners that that we try to embody in our lessons as well at Intrepid English. So we. We're mostly based in the UK. We are, are teachers who are well, excellent English teachers, let's say that. That's one thing that we've, we've all got in common there because we're passionate. Most of the time we're, we're highly qualified. Well, sometimes we're native English speakers, but that's not necessarily a given with intrepid English teachers. We've got amazing teachers who, you know, have learned many different languages and learned to teach English more thoroughly than than many native english teachers for a start <laughs> for sure. um yeah so um we we're quite an empowering place we like to empower one another we've got a really nice atmosphere of you know open and honest communication in the school so we can make mistakes and learn from them and it's okay you know it's not, you're not going to get in trouble kind of thing and the teachers that i've hired I've hired because they're our kind of people, you know, they care about things. Um, they don't want to have a, a sort of authoritarian um, atmosphere in the in the classroom. They want to help students to communicate and express themselves in, in their way, you know. So empowering to me is so much more of a, um, a deeper word than just helping. Um, Good teachers help students, you know, they 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 really want to uh, assist the students in their learning journey. But empowering them means that that student, for example, knows that they've got a team of people, a supportive community of people that want them to win, want them to succeed. You know, their English teacher will um, talk with them each week if they have a weekly lesson um, and, and see how they can personalize the lessons to to suit that particular student um you know unfortunately a lot of uh, english schools in the past ones that i've worked with and for the there was a strict curriculum it was just about you know it was transactional it was about you know having booking the hours in you know billable hours and things like that and it wasn't it didn't care about the students success the teachers weren't fostering that that kind of um atmosphere where students can really enjoy the lessons as well as thrive in them you know so it was something that i've been quite passionate about in my personal life for a long time as well um i'm one of these people who likes to do charity fundraisers and stuff like that um always been yeah, it's always been a part of who i am and um when i started working with my my uh, business mentor Alice I was talking to her about who I am and who what, what intrepid English is you know including all of the teachers that work for us and uh, you know she said you've got this really big part of your your personal life your personality which is raising money for charities you know why isn't that part of the business model um, and I thought well I don't know in, in a way I just felt like it was it was a separate thing, you know. Um, and she was like, 
it's 100% part of who you are. And it's something that would be very beneficial to the students if you, you, you talk about this kind of thing. Um, I think that you can be your full authentic self at work and talk about your passions, talk about, you know, the different causes that you're passionate about. And as soon as she said that, yes, exactly. You know, what I'm talking about Harry. Um, exactly. Um, as soon as she said that, I was like, yes, this makes perfect sense. <laughs> you know, so um, spoke to the teachers about it. And I said, you know, I really want to be, I really want us to, to focus more on doing good in the world, not just teaching good English lessons, but, but doing good in the world. And you know what, since I said that, since we've started to go down that route, there have been so many amazing conversations, amazing moments, great things that have happened because I am being my, my authentic self at work. And, and it's something that the teachers also are really, really passionate about in different ways. Um, so empowering students can mean different things to different students, of course. Um, a lot of our students have talked about this feeling of dread on a Sunday night or on a Monday morning, you know, when they're thinking about going to work and they love their job, but they know that their English skills are a barrier to their success and to them doing their job really well. Um, and it, it breaks my heart to know that people are really struggling like this because, you know, we've all had those jobs that we hate and on the Sunday night and you're just like, oh, God, how has the weekend gone already? You know, um, so I was like, well, we can do something to help you with this. You know, we can support you here. Um, so we have been training a lot of students on uh, business English, but not just, you know, these are negotiation skills. Yeah, but, not just open you know, the book. Here are some set phrases. Yes, this is business. exactly. Yes, Go business. business. <laughs> this, this like a strange, uh, vague entity, which is business. You know, um, we we wanted to provide them with, you know, support, but also useful, helpful tips, things that they can implement immediately things that are going to make them feel excited about that negotiation so it could be language it could be pronunciation but it's also having someone in your corner who's like preparing you for this this moment uh they know what they're talking about and they're not just preparing you to have a negotiation but they're preparing you to do really well in that negotiation you know yeah. to to add value to get something out of it not just be a business person but like really make a difference do a good job, you know? Um, so after teaching a lot of students this way, you know, we, we realized that it would actually be really quite beneficial for us as well for us to reach out to the employers and say, look, we're empowering your, your employees here. Um, we can help you to do that. So we launched um, a new service earlier this year called Employers Who Empower. And this is a completely different ball game for us. Um, so normally we're one-to-one -one lessons um, and a few group classes as well. Mm -hmm. So this is a whole new area, but it's been so well received already. We've got three groups this year who have joined us and are just doing fantastically. Um, and yeah, we're really looking forward to seeing where it, where it goes. So yeah, we're taking steps forward to, to empower more and more people as, as we go along. So yeah. What I, I really love from what I've seen about what you guys do and, you know, some of the feedback you've got is when you do have those kind of individual lessons, I've seen with so many like business classes and business teachers, 
so many that I've seen someone running into a staff room and, you know, grabbing a textbook and, and photocopying the present perfect and then going into the class and saying, right, I'm going to do the present perfect today with them. Like, it's like, does your student want that? Like, is that what your student wants or is that what you feel like doing with your student? And what I really love from what I can see that you guys do is you, 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 well, you care about your students and you teach them what they need. Like, not just, as you say, with this, with the language that they need, but, you know, with, with everything that they need. And uh, and it's it seems like they're not, you're not just English teachers, you're English kind of language coaches as well, not yeah. just I don't want to say just English teachers as well, because that sounds like I'm belittling English teachers. English teachers are the greatest. Um, they're amazing. I love all of them, especially sustainability focused ones. Um, but something I want to draw on about the kind of the, the empowerment vibe. Um, a lot of people think that empowering your students is just giving them confidence. Um and it's something that I've seen with um, with the, the charities I work with. You know, I work with Kids Against Plastic, um, um, and and I see how the they are empowering. You know, the the kids that work with them. For example, yesterday my daughter gave a forty minute presentation at school about single use plastics. You know, she's eight. You know, th- yeah, that's that was the just... proudest moment of your life, I bet, Harry, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> there. That and when she learned how to do the monkey bars, right? Those are like two of the, two of the moments. It's up there. I've been really proud. It's definitely up there with it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and it's not just about confidence. Yes, confidence is part of it, but it's more than just, you know, having confidence. You know, oh, I'm confident mm-hmm. to speak English, but it's, empowerment is more than just giving confidence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And you'll like this. I've prepared by uh, printing out a little quote from one of my biggest inspirations, the incredible bell hooks. So, yeah, it's a, it's a few lines long. So if you just bear with me a second, but it perfectly articulates exactly why I think empowering students is so, so important. And you will get this because I think you will define yourself as as one of these people so to educate as the practice of freedom is a way of teaching that anyone can learn that learning process comes easiest to those of us who teach that also believe there is an aspect of our vocation that is sacred who believe that our work is not merely to share information but to share in the intellectual and spiritual growth of our students to teach in a manner that respects and cares for the souls of our students is essential if we are to provide the necessary conditions where learning can most deeply and intimately begin. That's bell hooks, 100%, everybody. 100%. 100%. <laughs> I, yeah. I agree with every word. It is, it's mm. so much more than just information. Um, mm-hmm. Information is an important part of it, obviously, um, mm-hmm. but it's so much more than that. Um, and I've found, I found my my teaching has become so much more enriched since it's part of me, you know, it's, mm. you know, with, you know, I, I teach English, I, I, I do teacher training for all sorts of, of different things, you know, hybrid teaching, online teaching, all of these different teacher training sessions. Um, but I try and involve some form of sustainability with all of it, you know, mm. even if it's just a, a few seconds here and there, I try and kind of raise that aspect in all of my classes even if it technically has nothing to do with it. Um, I like to kind of try and raise that awareness. And I know that my teaching has improved so much like mm. since. And I don't want to say I didn't care before, because I definitely did care before. But I really care now, not just about the students learning, but about what I'm teaching as well. And it's not just, 
Here we go. Let's go. We're going to do the third conditional today. <laughs> third conditional, um, which for quite a long time I did think was the setting on the air conditioning, you know, where it does the wave <laughs> thing. I was like, that's what the third conditional is, right? Um, and yeah, that brings me back to that whole thing about, yeah, that's what brings me back to the whole thing you mentioned about the, you know, that the, some, you know, some native teachers, um, I'm going to do inverted commas for that. Some, some, English speakers who have the mother tongue of being English um, <laughs> don't really have a clue about a lot of how to teach, um, particularly grammar. So, yeah, mm-hmm. and that kind of third conditional thing reminds me of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's me just going off on a tangent. Uh, <laughs> tangent I often rock. do. Yeah, <laughs> you really do. I love a good really tangent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I have a habit of, of tangenting. Um, again, I don't know if that's a word. Uh, it is it now. Is now. <laughs> yeah, I just invented it. I'm gonna type that one up. That's gonna be in the, the the Oxford English Dictionary next year. Word of the year. Tangenting. And it can be your tagline as well. Harry Waters. I don't know if that's a word. It is now. <laughs> <laughs> probably the worst tagline for a for an English it, teacher it, ever. Yeah, yeah, probably it probably would be actually. But I'm gonna stick with it anyway. That's my that's gonna be my new my new LinkedIn. <laughs> Uh, funny LinkedIn thing. <laughs> I need I need a little credit there as well, please. <laughs> I always credit. I always credit. My wife's a photographer, you see. So um, you know, when I'm making my materials and stuff, I do always credit um, photographers and so on. Mm-hmm. Although I did, I was creating a, a PowerPoint today because I'm doing a, a conference for Oxford University Press actually um, on March the fourth, um, and they sent me a thing back saying you need to credit this photo, and I was like. But I took that photo. Like it's, it's literally my photo. They're like, you have to put a credit on there. And I was like, yes. So I can put on my, on my LinkedIn, I can put photographer as well because I've got my own photo credit, you know, in wow, the Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. It's a photo of some secondhand shirts. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's not a good photo. It counts. Um, it counts, Harry. It's a win. Take it. Exactly. I'm a photographer now. It's, you know, yes. hello, mum. I'm, I'm on the telly, on the radio, and I'm a photographer. Um, brilliant. Oh, brilliant. Um, that seems like a nice segue. Um, mm. We're going to um, shoot off to hear a word from our, our wonderful sponsors. Um, stay where you are, glued to your chairs, or if you're doing the washing up, your headphones glued to your ears still. Um, we'll be back in just a moment. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cats. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram 
or join a free briefing by visiting littlewonderlettersandsounds.org.uk. Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real-time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy-to-use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland full free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward slash Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common, a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. We are back. Uh, hello, welcome back, everybody. Um, thank you very much. We're now into the, the final straight here. Um, I just want to say this has been super lovely so far. Um, oh, Phil Longwell has credited a photo today um, he took from some slides in case students wondered about the source. It is very good practice, Philip, absolutely 100%. Um, I can now currently see myself on screen. I'm not sure where Lorraine's gone. There we go. That's better. Nobody's going to be complaining now. I like, oh, didn't want to see that bearded weirdo for all that long. <laughs> didn't want to look at him anymore. Um, Lorraine <laughs> is also back. Um, so we are into the, the final straight, the last half hour, the final countdown, uh, as it were. Um, and yeah, so Lorraine, uh, thank Hi. you again for, for joining me here. Uh, I just have to say it's, it's been a lovely experience. Like it genuinely Yay. has. Um, I knew it would be obviously, well, yeah. um, <laughs> saying, of course, <laughs> and I'm just well, I remember, say, remember the first time we chatted, we were just like straight away. And I was like, yeah, he's in my tribe now. <laughs> there you go. I like, Great. I like that. I like your tribe. Yeah. When I'm over in Edinburgh, I'll, I'll say hi. Um, well, I think I've got the pronunciation wrong. Um, <laughs> and hi to everybody who's here in the studio. Um, we've got Jane, Dorian and Nathan are here. Um, Tom, yourself. And then we've also got many MKKX, um, a name obviously that has been uh, given by... Um, by Podbean. Uh, big thanks as well to Michelle, who has downloaded uh, Podbean today. Michelle Worgan, one of uh, one of my marigolds in the ELT industry here in Spain. Um, somebody who has has been around since the very beginning of my um, my teacher training career. Um, she was at my I think my first ever talk back in 2012, I think, and an entire decade ago, and a full head of hair ago. Uh, she's tuned in today. Um, so thank you very much uh, for that, Michelle. Props to you. And I have retweeted an applause for you on Twitter as well. Um, so back to back to Lorraine. And well, 
not just Lorraine, more intrepid English and um, your ideals, your um, your mission statements. So we talked about empowerment before mm-hmm. uh, the break. Um, what are your other ideals in, in your mission statement? I've got them um, written down here so I could say them. Yeah. But, you know, I thought I'd, I'd hand it over to you because, it, you know, your business, your idea. I don't want to, you know, steal your glory. Oh, too late, Harry. It's gone. Sorry, it's gone now. I'm going to oh, celebrate my change. Yeah. Oh, it's exactly the same as the previous hat. It's slightly different. It's a bit wider. Uh, the colour's slightly different. <laughs> okay, added value there. Well done. That was worth worth the costume change. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> those, those people who are listening on audio only are like, what? I missed the hat change. What's going on? You can watch it later. I think it's going to be Exactly, watch back. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, so personally and professionally, um, I think that growth mindset is something that, that I've worked on a lot myself and uh and something that I always try and instill in my students if it if it doesn't exist already um and when I say growth mindset for those who who don't know the wonderful Carol Dweck she is a she's a psychologist I think in um in America who describes the the benefit of children and other learners understanding that where they are is okay um and they can move forward Okay, so um, the whole idea of yet, you know, um, maybe uh, don't know that yet, but it's, you know, on the way. Um, removing the negativity that comes with with learning something is so, so important. Um, often people beat themselves up because they're not perfect yet. Well, newsflash, nobody's perfect. <laughs> and it's a, an impossible standard to try and uh, reach for. So um I always try to to tell my students, you know, be kind to yourself where you are and move forward. You know, we we can move forward together. So we always try and and take students forward step by step to where they need to be. Um, So that's growth mindset. We've talked about empowerment already. And the others are community, personalization and inclusivity. So um, when it comes to learning anything, you succeed a lot better, a lot easier if you've got a group of people around you who are hoping that you succeed, whether that's Absolutely. teachers or the students, right? I mean, I was, I was just thinking before we, we we came on live here today, Harry, today alone, I've used LinkedIn where I met you and a load of lovely people, amazing, amazing people. And I was just really, I had a moment of appreciation for all the lovely folks that I've met on LinkedIn, which I never expected, ever expected to meet so many great people on there right you tagged me and really gave me a big smile it was lovely it was lovely (laughs) I was like yeah guys I'm feeling the love um and you know but I've also used today I've used LinkedIn I've used Strava I've I've also talked to my um my my friends at an online um it's a group that I, I joined. I don't want to call it a networking group because it's so much more than that. Um, the tagline is, is so it's move online and the tagline is making better human beings. And it's just such a fulfilling, wholesome crowd of people. Um, we meet for 90 minutes every week online and chat about work maybe, but also life, relationships. You get advice, you give advice, you just chat about stuff. And there's a real focus on, you know, positive um, mental health, growth, personally and professionally. And I just think like my life is so much richer having th- 
those various support networks around. But also I give value to them in my way. And that is also fulfilling to me, you know, so I just um, community is something that's that's, I think, beneficial for everybody. But that's it's something the, uh, that we really built into our, our school. Oh, now, now Michelle's watching on, uh, on YouTube. Uh, hello, Michelle. <laughs> Applause for watching on YouTube as well. Um, yeah, that was the, the whole marigolds thing. It's all about, you know, these communities. So, you know, where you plant marigolds, they help things around them, basically. And, you know, your marigolds online are the people that, that help you grow. Now, I have to say that, you know, one of the, the benefits of what's come out of the pandemic, I have felt a much bigger connection with people online. You know, beforehand, mm-hmm. I had my networks, I knew people online, there was this, that and the other. I think being almost forced into it, it's it's grown massively. And that idea of community to have in a class, in your work, just in your life, if you don't have it, then you can't grow. Right? Mm-hmm. It, it's just impossible. And, and mm-hmm. what you mentioned about personalization, is something that in the world of sustainability is super important. You know, if it's not, people aren't, a lot of people aren't going to care if you're just, you know, talking about the the polar bears, okay? It is a shame that the polar bears are dying, but guess what? Never seen a polar bear, probably Mm. never will, don't really care. So personalising and making it, you know, about them and about where they're from and local is likely to make people care more. People should care about the fact that, you know, climate emergency, planets mm-hmm. come into an end, but often they don't. But when you make it about them and, and personalise it, it's it's super important in terms of, you know, the environment. But in terms of learning, it's it, it's such a key. It's so mm-hmm. I even lifted my Essential. foot up then. You can't see, but I lifted <laughs> my foot up. That's how key it is. <laughs> he means it, guys. He means yeah. it. <laughs> There were hands and foot gestures. It was it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. I think um, so. A lot of students as well. They they've been to language classes in the past where they they are one of eight students, for example, <clears throat> and there's a curriculum which has been designed by someone who's not even a teacher there, um, and you know it's just it's just disconnected from where they are. They can't, it's hard to be passionate about something when you don't really care. Like when I was at school, I hated languages. I mean, it was terrible. I actually was so bad at French that my my lovely stepmom, who means the world to me and was, was saying it from a place of love, she was like, Laurie, just forget it. You know, just focus on something that you can do. All right. <laughs> and I was like, oh, OK, well, that's that's tough love. But, you know, it worked. I mean, I'm not talking about English there. I was really passionate about English then. I, I have been all the way through my life. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But, uh, yeah, that that learning, you know, French verbs and uh, German connotations. Of, oh, my God, it was just torture. So I I didn't really understand then. I thought, I'm never going to need German. And then, you know, fast forward years later, Oops. living in Germany going, OK, maybe I should have paid attention in my German class at school. Um, but then, miraculously, I was learning German and it was easier, much easier for me. It was enjoyable because I could apply it to my life immediately. Um, and I just thought to myself, right, okay, teaching English needs to have the same thing. You can't, you can't give someone a textbook that 
100,000 people have also, you know, looked at and, and studied from and expect them to be passionate about it. You need to apply that to their daily life, as well as all the other lessons that you're teaching through English, like sustainability and environmental um, activism and things. So, yeah, personalization is is super, super important. But it's also the, the key to having fun in yeah. a lesson. 100 percent. 100 percent. Now, now, when I was at school, I was I was I was good at French. Well, I got an A in French. Um, I definitely didn't cheat in the exam. Um, <laughs> almost certainly didn't. Um, but uh, no, I was I was good at French, apparently, because, you know, I'd go to France on holiday with my folks. And basically, you know, I could count to 20 and I knew how to give people directions. So back when I was doing my GCSEs back in a long time ago, 2000, I think, um, you know, I didn't really need a lot more than that. And and some friends of mine who live around the corner, they had some a French visitor come and stay with them the other day. I went around there. I was like, yes, here we go. Get to practice my <laughs> French. And I was just like, well, I could ask for a beef sandwich. I don't need meat, but I could ask for it. And I was like, I can tell him to turn left and I can tell him there's a monkey in the tree. But that's about it. I was like, it's completely irrelevant. Like, and, and none of it, you know, of what I'd learned was was ever relevant. And so, you know, it didn't, it didn't really stick. It was never important. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I finished at 16 years old, it was like, I've done that, passed the exam, I'm, I'm gone now. And mm-hmm. that it can't be like that with languages. It can't mm-hmm. be like that. You you need to have that that connection, connection with it. Mm. Look at that. Exactly. You said yeah, connection at the same time. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, and the last the last um, core theme of yours, the, la- the last uh, part of your mission statement, is our inclusivity, isn't it? Now, mm-hmm. I want to hear about something exciting that you're doing about inclusivity. Okay. Well, personally or professionally, Professionally. uh, there's loads of things going on. Um, Okay. So one of the big projects that we've got coming up at the moment is um, we're producing an app. It's a language learning app. um, And as well as being developed with green IT, I know you'd like that one. um, Um, it's also being designed in the most inclusive way. So we always try and be as inclusive as possible um, in our classes. So we have a range of different materials to suit each learning style. Um, If, for example, we have a student who really likes to have listening materials, we've got a lot of podcasts. Um, We've also got audio courses as well. Um, But for people who don't like listening to things or can't hear we also have transcripts and blog posts and a lot of written material online as well um we're working towards being more inclusive but um we've just registered as a supporter of the sunflower initiative now this came about by um someone a lovely person again that i met on linkedin his name's spencer and he is deaf and he approached me and said lorraine i want you to write my book so I was like, well, I've never written a book before, Spencer, but I'd love to help you in any way I can. Um, so we were chatting a lot about inclusivity. It was really, really valuable um, time for me when we were talking about this, because I just thought um, there's a lot I need to learn, uh, which is an uncomfortable feeling, but it precedes a, a period of growth. Right. So I've learned a lot since uh, meeting him. 
And he told me about the Sunflower Initiative, which is, um, it's, yeah, I don't really know how to describe it. It's an initiative where people can, with hidden disabilities, can, can signal that they have uh, a hidden disability. Um, they may need some help. It might be something like, you know, I'm, I'm deaf. Can you uh, please let me see your, your face as we're talking so I can lip read? Um, or maybe it's, you know, I'm autistic. Can you be patient with me? Or I've got a learning disability, that kind of thing. Um, but it's not just about the physical badges that people can wear as well. It's a, a movement to try and make things more inclusive. So registering as a business, even though we're online, we don't have bricks and mortar premises that people can visit. We're still an inclusive space. We're a safe space for them to come. They can tell us if they've got any specific learning needs and we'll adapt accordingly. Um, so that's one area that we're, we're trying to be inclusive with. We're also teaching, well, we're including that in our, our lessons as well. So when we teach business English, you and I both have a bit of a thing about business, this vague entity. Um, but when we're teaching business English, we teach not only phrases and things that will help students, but we teach them how to include one another. We teach them how to ab advocate for themselves and how to include other people as well who might be excluded. We also have a course on our website for diversity and inclusion, um, which teaches people not only sort of what it is, but why it's important and how to apply it. Um, so, yeah, in a way, we are trying to help students to be better versions of themselves, um, you know, in English. Of course, English is the tool that we use to do that. But I think now is the time that people are looking for more. They want to, as you said, it's the silver lining of the, the pandemic. Um, people want to be able to come to work as their whole selves. They need to be able to to express themselves and, and care about the topics that they care about. Um, so we really want to include that in the whole process. So inclusivity all the way through there. I love that. Come to work as them, their whole selves. That's, mm -hmm. I think that like that encapsulates inclusivity really nicely. It's a thing that's very difficult to encapsulate because it is so like wide reaching. I remember um, a, a few shows like back in November, um, Tyson Seaburn came on who who wrote, who literally wrote the book on how to write inclusive materials. Um, and, you know, I've, I've been trying to grow with it as well because there are a lot of things that I, I didn't know. You know, at, at first for me, you know, when I thought inclusivity, it was um, ethnicity, um, gender and sexual orientation and, and these different that, that was it then I was mm. just thinking oh no hang on there's actually so much more inclusivity is literally everybody mm -hmm. who isn't included you know mm -hmm. and it was you know a bit of a stark realization for me to to kind of realize that and think mm -hmm. I've got so much to learn that's one of the wonderful things about you know there are so many webinars that you can go to, so many articles you can read. Um, and just knowing that you don't know is something that mm -hmm. I, I don't know, I found really helpful as as a teacher in general. Um, you know, mm. you don't know everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was hard to deal with at first, being a teacher, not knowing everything. <laughs> also being a water. So you, you've never met my family, but if you ever meet my <laughs> mum and dad, um, you'll understand. You, my mum, you know, 
She's not always right, but she's never wrong. Um, right. <laughs> which is something I was brought up with. So for me, it was really difficult to to kind of adjust mm-hmm. and realise, do you know what? I'm not right. I'm not necessarily wrong, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like I've got no idea. I don't need to have an answer for that because I don't know. I think that that's the most important thing, an important skill that a teacher can have is to say, oh, I don't know the answer to that, but I'm going to go and find out. Or, oh, that's really interesting. Um, I haven't really thought about that before. Let me find that out for you. You know, saying, uh, because we, we expect students to make mistakes. It's absolutely a part of learning. If you can't make a mistake in a classroom, then you're not speaking um, English. You're not speaking a language that you're learning. Um, so it's really important that we model that as teachers and say, you know, I'm not perfect. I've made a mistake or I don't know that thing, you know, but I'm going to find out for you. We're going to solve that problem together. You know, and if you're teaching online and you've got the right type of student, you can Google it and you can find out right there and then. Oh, there's a really interesting resource there, you know. Um, but going back to what you were saying, Harry, about um, learning about inclusivity. So one of my dear friends and uh, luckily one of the people who's been on our podcast as well, Alyssa Ordu, she's a diversity and inclusion consultant in London. And um, she and I had a lovely, lovely conversation. We've had many, many lovely, lovely conversations about this topic. But the way she put it, and it makes perfect sense to me, is that there are policies in place. There are quotas out there uh, to, to help companies and institutions be more diverse. But if the inclusivity isn't there to include people, then it's just a, a tick box really, you know, so it's having people at all levels of the hierarchy, all levels of the decision making process with different worldviews, with different perspectives, whether that be from the point of view of someone with a disability or the point of view of someone, a person of colour or a person who, um, you know, has a particular religious belief. You know, it can't all be decisions can't be made by one small subsection of the um, population. So if people are interested in learning more, there's a really great blog blog post on the Intrepid English website where they can listen to our conversation, read it as well as a transcript there. But there are loads and loads of resources at the bottom of that blog post where people can sort of go on a bit of a journey, a little internet rabbit hole, but a wholesome one um, to learn more about this really, really important topic. And how can people find the Intrepid English website? Um, intrepidenglish.co.uk that was smooth there you go (laughs) Um, professional um, Ariful has has asked a question he said what would you say about watching movies in learning English now Mm. I had a bit of a rant I surprisingly um, I don't like to give parental advice to people I like you know as as a parent I, I discovered how to do things and nothing annoyed me more and someone saying, well, you should do that with your daughter. You should do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other day, as I mentioned, these these the French family that came to visit, um, the mum is um, English and the dad's French. Uh, and they spoke to their daughter, who's two and a half now, in French. And all of their TV was in French. And all the books they read were, were in French. Um, and I just said, I'm really sorry. I don't want to be someone to tell you how to raise your daughter, but it's so much easier if you teach her English now 
Um, if you get her into watching TV in English now, so all she ever, even if you're not speaking to her in English, but if all she's ever watching on TV is in English, mm-hmm. all she ever knows is TV in English, it will make such an enormous difference to her mm-hmm. understanding, to her speaking. So for me, watching movies, watching TV series in English is an absolute 100% mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, that's interesting. And and a lot of people attribute the the Dutch capacity for English from a very young age is is because their TV is in English, often with English subtitles, or at least they have English subtitles with Dutch, um, you know, uh, TV content. Portuguese. I don't know. Don't really. I don't. I don't know why. um, Why certain nationalities have um, uh, such a good propensity for English. But I do think that that is part of it. You know, it's it's generally sort of just instilling a curiosity from an early age. So to answer Arifal's question about um, movies in in English, my answer is um, is that if you are a movie lover, do that in English. If you're learning English, you know, great, watch a movie in English. But be aware that often the quality of the language is not really, um, it's not going to be too advanced. I mean, it depends on the movie, obviously. Um, But for example, if you're watching action movies and things like that, the range of vocabulary that you're going to learn is minimal. But that's not the only goal there, right? It's to... If you're passive learning, right, so you're watching a movie in English and you're you're not really actively writing things down, you're not actively paying attention to the vocabulary, there are benefits to that. It's training your brain to understand the tonality of English and um, the melody and intonation. There are lots of benefits and advantages to watching movies in English, even if you're not actively learning. But I would say don't just do that. Um, if you're learning English, don't just rely on movies. Um, Try and turn it, if you, if you don't have time for anything else, try and turn that into an active learning process. For example, when you come across a new word or phrase in that movie, then pause it, write it down, write the sentence down that the word appeared in, maybe even make a note about pronunciation. And, and that way you're turning that into a more active learning process. Um, you can learn quite a lot that way. And because if it's interesting, if you're enjoying the movie, your brain will maintain that knowledge for a little bit longer than if you were to just sort of go, oh, I don't know that word, and then just move on. Um, So that would be my advice about using movies to learn English. But there are, if you want to watch the content that you're learning English from, there are lots of resources out there where the quality of the vocabulary, the, um, you know, advanced sentence structures and the pronunciation oftentimes, if that's what you're working on, um, TED Talks, one of them. Controversial, some people love them, some people hate them, some people love the older ones before it got all salesy. Um, but, you know, TED Talks, it's such a huge, deep archive of topics ranging from education to music to technology, all of these areas. To um, Kids Against Plastic as well. The Kids yeah. Against Plastic. Yeah, yeah. I was pointing at the hat of Kids Against Plastic. They've got a couple uh-huh. so. Uh-huh. It's everything on TED Talks. Everything. Yeah. Whatever so you want to learn about, you can learn mm-hmm. about it. You can learn about it. And there's an interactive transcript. Most of the time there is. Um, I would, But I would say one thing, if I can go into some more um, about this. It's something that I often recommend to students. 
at a beginner level, you need to translate from your mother tongue quite often, right? That's part of the process. I get that. But once you're at a pre-intermediate level and above, you want to try and avoid the, the translating phase of the process, okay? There are several reasons why. One, if you are thinking in English and speaking in English, writing in English, you know, without having that L1 translation, you know, the, 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 you know, translating from your mother tongue, you're going to be quicker at it. You'll be thinking quicker. The process will be smoother. You won't have to sit and think about what you're going to say as much. You know, it might be a little bit to begin with. It might take a little while to get used to it, but eventually it will be beneficial. But also, if you're looking up a new word, a new English word in your language, you then miss out on such a wealth of information than if you look it up in an English dictionary. You know, you've got example sentences, you've got, you'll learn the preposition that comes after the word, for example. You'll learn if it's a transitive or intransitive verb. And, and you know, unfortunately or fortunately, English has a lot of words with many definitions. If you're Sorry. translating, you're just getting one definition, right? You're just getting one. Yeah. So look it up in an English dictionary. Try to remove your native language from the process if you can and it will generally make things a lot smoother i think for me like with learning spanish especially um it's i'm I'm currently learning portuguese i'm on day 202 of duolingo but that's more of just a fun game thing um (laughs) but i think for me when learning spanish the the massive moment was watching a movie you know, a lot of people talk about dreaming in Spanish or whatever. I, I don't remember what I dream in, but watching a movie and just completely understanding the whole thing. The movie was rubbish, but I understood the whole yeah. thing. And I was like, yes, I did it. I think and the, the other biggest moment was I was standing in the shower um, and I was thinking about a conversation I was, I was, I was going to have. Um, as you do, you know, my inner monologue was going. And I paused for a moment and I thought, I'm thinking about a conversation I'm going to have with somebody in English, but I'm thinking about, thinking it, about it in Spanish. In Spanish. I was just like, that's weird, okay. but that's so cool. I'm going to keep doing this. And like, <laughs> I kind of stood there and just kept thinking about that conversation I was going to have like in, like in my head. So for me, that was you know, a huge moment. Um, I was I was delighted with that. Right, we've only got two minutes left. I don't know how we've only got two minutes left. Um, where's the time gone? What did you do, Lorraine? You've stolen have all the fun. time. That's what it's I did. I had fun, Harry. It flew. It flew. <laughs> I, could, I could do it on the on the radio telly and everything, not just be there doing that. I'll tell you one thing that has been really weird about this is because other people can see us, obviously, um, not being able to you know, do any weird scratching anywhere, you know, scratching my head for anyone on the radio. Or, or, you know, I have. Oops. <laughs> I can't help it. You know, I haven't been fiddling with my hair. Oh, I haven't got any of that, have I? Forgot that. Um, But it has been incredible. It's been so lovely to to see you, to speak to you. Um, My light is fading now, so... um, It's quite uh, poetic. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, I should tell Thomas about that. Um, Yes, you should. Yeah, um, it's been absolutely glorious to have you on um it's been fantastic i can't wait to continue to see how intrepid english grows um and helps and personalizes and just continues being awesome thank you so much harry thank you for having me on always a pleasure pleasure.
always a pleasure. Now I'm just trying to get the, the track to say goodbye to everybody. It's been wonderful. Thank you, everybody. And I'll see you next time. <laughs>